Good evening, dear listener. Tell me, what do you comment? A good horror thriller? Make up my dad's on now. No, you listen now! Hello, and welcome to Here's Johnny's Reviews and my look at 1991's Silence of the Lambs. And a second outing for Dr. Hannibal Wechter after the mild success of 1986 Manhunter. Longer under the Diego de Rentis banner as he gave up the rights to Dr. Lecter after the failure of Manhunter comes one of the last movies for Orion Pictures. Originally, the rights to the book were bought by Gene Hackman and he was supposed to be his directorial debut and he also was supposed to play Lecter. However, once the first draft of the script came out, he refused to do it, saying it was too violent for him, so he sold the rights back. And it was here that Orion picked up the rights and handed it to a little-known comedy director, Jonathan Demme, much to the scoff of Hollywood elite. He then went on to cast Jodie Foster as Clarice Sterling, only after Michelle Pfeiffer turned it down, and he cast Sir Anthony Hopkins in the role of Hannibal Lecter, as he didn't want to have a American method actor, such as Dustin Hoffman. And boom, a movie classic is born. So, with that, let's see why this $20 million movie made $130 million plus dollars and a franchise was once and truly born. Starring Jodie Foster, Scott Glenn, Anthony Held, Ted Levine and Sir Anthony Hopkins, directed by Jonathan Demme. Of the plot, FBI trainee has to match up Woods with Dr. Lecter after a state senator's daughter is kidnapped by serial killer Buffalo Bill. Can Clarice Stalling get what she needs from Dr. Lecter, or is she in too deep with a cat and mouse game? The movie opens up with the Orion logo, then onto shots of Quantico, Virginia, I believe. The FBI training camp as Clarice Stalling, played by Jodie Foster, star of Taxi Driver, The Accused, Nell, Contact, and many more movies, is running the obstacle course when she's called in to see FBI head Jack Crawford, played by Scott Glenn, of the board movies and Netflix's Daredevil and The Defenders, as well as dozens more movies and TV shows. And note, according to the behind the scenes, Jodie Foster actually ran the course at an impressive time, except it wasn't actually said what it was. Also, she spent over a week at the FBI training academy learning how to shoot, etc, etc. In Crawford's office, she sees multiple newspaper clips and crime photographs of the killings done by Buffalo Bill, the active serial killer of this movie. And note, the set for the FBI academy was what the place looked like back in 1989-1990, with grey exposed concrete walls with no windows or natural light. So Crawford gives Stalling the task of interviewing Dr. Lecter on some bullshit test with Crawford banking on Lecter taking a fancy to Sterling. Sterling even. Because she's just his type. So Crawford warns Sterling not to let Lecter into her mind because she doesn't want Lecter into her head. With that, he hands her files on Lecter and a questionnaire along with an emergency FBI ID and sends her to quiz Lecter. And what I never really got about this movie is Starling is only the top 25% of her class, so why send her? Also, you're trying to say to me she's the only FBI agent in the FBI, the only female FBI agent in the FBI? Okay then. <clears throat> We're then introduced to smug psychiatrist Dr. Chilton, played by Anthony Held of Boston Legal Fame, as well as dozens of other TV shows and movies. He sees Lecter as his golden ticket to fame and fortune. Also, he sees him as his way of this run-down mental history he's been running for years. Chilton then hits on Starling, which she politely shoots down. So he takes her down to see Lecter as they go down the multiple staircases 
into the bowels of hell. He tells her that Crawford is very smart in sending her, that he is just Lecter's type and indeed he hasn't seen a woman in over eight years. He then tells her the rules of how to deal with Lecter, i.e. no touching the glass, no approaching the glass, blah blah blah, blah the glass even, blah 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 blah. Telling her he's not to be taken lightly, showing her a picture of a nurse he attacked as he ate her tongue and an eyeball. And spot Frankie Faison as Barney, the only actor to appear in all of these Hannibal Lecter movies. With that, she's shown walking down to Hannibal's cell, the last cell on the left. As she walks past other prisoners, she stops outside Lecter's glass cell. And here we meet Dr. Hannibal Lecter, Mark II, played by Anthony Hopkins, star of the Thor movies, Dracula 92, Beowulf, and many more movies and TV shows, as well as a boatload of Shakespeare plays. And notes: these cells weren't a set, however, these were used as is in the warehouse, then used as the mental institute, with only Lecter's cell added for effect. And after walking past four other men, she approaches Hannibal's cell, where she finds Lecter standing in the middle of a cell waiting for her. And note, Demi wanted Lecter in orange jumpsuit, however, it was suggested he should be in blue tailored suits because somehow Lecter would have that one done. Hmm. They start to chit chat and he quickly finds out she's not a full FBI agent. She takes notice of his drawings and he starts to take a liking to her. Until she starts to do the questionnaire, which she was handed by Crawford. This annoys Lecter. So he takes a swipe at her, calling her one generation away from poor white trash. This pissed off Foster, and this is indeed her real reaction. And note, I love all the close-ups Demi uses in this, as is this Lecter is talking straight to us. And I just love how much of a bastard Lecter actually is. And here it is, the quote of the movie, a census taker once tried to test me. So it is liver with some fava beans, nice butter up candy. <laughs> love it. Leaving Hannibal's cell after being toyed with, one of the other cellmates flings cum at Starling, which sticks to her hair. Lecter calls her back to say sorry and gives her the name of Miss Moffat and to look deep within yourself. Once outside, Starling breaks down and we get a flashback to her father, the town sheriff, and her as a little girl. Onto the FBI shooting range, where Starling empties her gun straight into camera. Then a montage of her training, including how to spot danger, blind spots, and hostage situations. We then meet Starling's roommate slash lover, Adrelia Mapp, played by Cassie Lemons, as she comes running to tell Clarice, who's using microfiche to look up Dr. Rector, that Crawford's on the phone, to which he tells her Miggs is dead, that's a roommate through come to her in her hair, and that Lecter talked him into swallowing his own tongue, and how the hell do you swallow your own tongue? She tells Crawford she's looking into the Miss Moffat lead yourself, storage lockers were a bit hokey for Lecter, so she dug into it. And it's here she finds the head of one of Buffalo Bill's first victims in a bell jar in liquid. I love how practical and no-nonsense Starling is here. She's using her car jack to open the stuck storage doors. Also, she keeps her composure even though everyone looks down her nose at her or looks her up and down, sexually like. With that, she runs back to Lecter, who has had his pictures removed as punishment for Migsy's death. Also note the preacher on a TV set is Jonathan Demi's best friend, during which Lecter asks if she thinks Crawford wants her sexually, which Stalin quickly shoots down, saying that was something that Miggs would say and does interest in her one little bit. He then tells her about the head in the jar, which was one of his old patients and Buffalo Bill's first victim and indeed lover. He offers her help, but only if she gives him the case files. He then plants a seed into Starling's head that he wants a room with a view and not the dark, dank 
basement cell with no fresh air. So cut to Buffalo Bill's next victim, victim even Catherine Martin, played by Brooke Smith of Law and Order, Grey's Anatomy and Bates Motel, as well as other TV shows, as she's driving home alone late at night. And here it is, our introduction to James Gum, aka Buffalo Bill, played by Ted Levine, of Monk fame, as well as other TV shows and movies. According to the behind-the-scenes Buffalo Bill's mixture of serial killers Ed Gein, Ted Bundy and Gary Heidick, Gein would skin his victims, Bundy would use fake casts on his arms to trick his victims into helping on the back of his vans, and Heidick would keep his victims in five-foot-deep pits and hose them down with water to not get them, etc, etc. Buffalo Bill tricks Catherine into helping him with a sofa by pretending to have a broken arm. He then uses a cast to knock her out and drives off of her in the back of his van. And cut to Starling being hauled out of class yet again to be taken to West Virginia to see one of Buffalo Bill's victims as she was found in a river earlier that day in the back of a small plane. Crawford tells Starling about the victims, where they were found and what state they were in. That they were kept alive for at least three days and starved, then shot and skinned and dumped in rivers all over the state. Therefore, they have three days to find Catherine Martin. And I must say, I'm getting a lot of X-Files from this, from Scully's haircut and dress sense from the first few seasons, to the name of the town or city coming up, and what time it is, to Scully being a rookie agent paired with a special agent who is a criminal profiler. So anyway, once landed, they whisked off to Undertaker's as Starling profiles Buffalo Bill in the back of the car then ask Crawford why they're not taking up Lecter's offer for help. Arriving at the funeral home, Crawford politely takes the sheriff aside to talk about the body and the, quote, sex crimes, as Starling looks on annoyed, because apparently didn't want to talk about this stuff to over a woman. With that, Crawford leaves with the sheriff, leaving Starling alone in a room full of all ma- male deputies, as they all muck for camera. Starling walks into someone's funeral, and we get another flashback of her dad in his coffin. With the autopsy room filled with local police, Clarice clears out the room, much to the annoyance of the locals, as look down her nose at her, but they all politely leave. Once empty, Clarice smears vapour rub under her nose as the body bag is opened. And here we see the dead body of a size 14, that's size 18 in Britain, woman with diamond shapes cut into her back. And note, this was a real woman and not a dummy. Indeed, in all the photographs, they are real women and not dummies. Clarice starts to report uh, by t- talking into her dictaphone, saying she's not local as she has glitter nail polish and her ears have been pierced three times. Therefore, she may be a bit looser. After taking pictures of her teeth, Starling notes there's something down her throat, and this turns out to be a moth cocoon. And note, the wounds were actually cooked pasta with gummy bears covered in KY jelly. Also, the cocoon was a Tootsie Roll wrapped in gummy bears, and every time it was removed from the actress's throat, she would vomit. Starling takes the moth cocoon to some big bug specialist she knows and spots Dan Butler as one of them, who also appeared in Manhunter, a movie I covered last week, check my archives. And I'm also getting lone gunmen off these guys also. Even among these geeks uh, that play chess with bugs, does Clarice get hit on? And I don't see it myself, but we're your boats. Turns out this moth is a death head moth, which is only available from Asia. Therefore, they must have been imported, and this thing was fed well with honey and nightshades. So cut to Buffalo Bill's den, with hundreds of moths flying around, and fuck that. We see Bill sewing Newt at a sewing machine, ignoring Catherine's screams. On the news, Catherine's mother, Ruth Martin, played by Diana Baker, pleads for the release of her daughter, saying her name over and over again. With that, Sally runs off to speak with Lecter, much to Dr. Children's protest. 
So she just hands him the number of her boss and just walks off coolly. Clarice hands over the case files and an offer to Lictor to get away from Chilton and to be placed on Plum Island, where he would get to walk on the beach and go swimming in the sea with armed guards watching. But of course, however, he would spend the rest of the year in a maximum security prison in New York. And here it is, the quid pro quo scene, where Lictor asks her for personal information. And this information makes Lictor soften on Starling even more. And you can tell he respects her, even though he's using her to ultimately escape. Lictor then lets slip that Buffalo Bill wants to be transformed into something beautiful, and may indeed be transsexual. And note, this was something that caused scandal in 1991, when this was first released, that transsexuals are not killers, and indeed are peaceful people. So note, SJWs, you are nothing fucking new. Yet yeah, more backstory from Starling, as she tells him the story of the screaming alarms awaking her one night, and why she ran from her mother's cousin's care that night. Because apparently she's a an orphan, her mother died in childbirth or something like that, and her father was shot by robbers. So that night, when Starling is gone, Dr. Children taunts Lictor, saying he was played, there is no real deal. Back with Buffalo Bill and the lotion scene. As we find out, Catherine is in the bottom of a well being held. Also, Buffalo Bill has a dog, Precious, which is another thing he truly loves. As in the well, Catherine pleads to be let out and pleads for her life and Bill snaps at her to do as she's told or she'll get the hose again hmm. then sends in a basket with the lotion that causes her to scream as her fingernails stuck to the wall with blood and he indeed mocks her screaming onto children openly mocking Lecter telling him the deal with Starling said was made up and she played him good and well this is ultimately children's downfall because Lecter uses this opportunity to steal his gold pen to be used in his escape much later. And note that the baseball guard grill was going to be used and throughout this movie, however it was decided to be used for only this one scene. And here with Lecter strapped to a jack, his mouth guard in place, does he put his plan into action? After saying he'll only tell before Bill's real name to Ruth Martin face to face, and spot Roger Comet as head of the FBI, as he calls Crawford to tell him Lecter has been transferred, also has a go at him about the dodgy deal Clarice made up. So, that night, under heavy guard, and with a new mask, he meets Senator Martin. And note, this mask was supposed to be leather, but this one was unfinished fiberglass, and an icon was born. Lecter taunts Senator Martin, then feeds him a bullshit false name, which means false gold. Spot Charles Napier as Lieutenant Boyle, star of Rambo, the Boys Brothers, a movie I covered last year. Check my archives and as a dozen other movies. With Dr. Chilton on hand to show off the Senator Lecter, he asks her how she'll feel when she sees her daughter lying on a slab dead. And that night at Shelby County Museum, with the media circus outside, Starling sneaks in to see Lecter one final time. With the glory hound Chilton loving the media attention, he doesn't notice Clarice sneaking in. At the meeting, Clarice gives Lecter his drawings back, and how the hell did she get them back from Chilton? <laughs> then tells Lecter her his anagrams are shown, and indeed the name he gave was a false name. With Lecter sitting in a cell in the middle of an art gallery, yet with all the spook stories and bullshit, he went from a glass cell to easily escapable jail cell. Okay then. Here he gets the final piece of information from Clarice as to why she ran from her cousin about the screaming lambs getting slaughtered earlier in the morning. After telling her to look into the files that Buffalo 
kills what he covets, i.e. a fat woman, he wants to be a woman. So that's why he skins these girls and makes them into a woman's suit. Chilton bursts in to have Khalees removed by force. Lictor hands her the case files and sets the final part of his escape into action. With Clarice back in Washington, Lictor demands a second dinner of extra bloody lamb steaks. And this is it, the big escape scene, as he breaks out of his handcuffs and using Chilton's pen and bashes Lieutenant Boyle's head in, biting the nose off his partner and then cuts his face off to escape. He then strings Boyle's gutted dead body with streamers and lies on the ground pretending to be Boyle's partner. Dumping his body down the lift shaft, Lictor is wheeled out in wearing the policeman's face and escapes in an ambulance. Clarice is told of Lictor's escape but she coolly tells her roommate he won't come after her as he would see that as rude. Cut to Buffalo Bill making his woman's suit again naked at his sewing machine. And note, he's wearing Catherine's rings as he's doing so. Back at the FBI Academy, Clarice and her roommate find a note written by Lecter and the hunt is on. So Clarice, alone with no backup, not even her bloody roommate, heads to Belvedere, Ohio to speak to the father of Bill's first victim. Finding in her untouched room that she was a dressmaker, also photographs of her in her underwear posing sexy in a music box. So, you're trying to tell me the dozens of times this room was searched, no one found these easy to find pictures in a music box, all because Clarice is a woman, she finds these ones. Fuck right off on that shite. No. <sighs> Clarice calls to tell Crawford she thinks she knows where Buffalo Bill is and why he needs these fat girls. Crawford, being a man, of course, doesn't listen and shoots Starling's concerns down, saying he knows who and where Buffalo Bill is in Chicago. This doesn't sit well with Clarice, so she hunts down the victim's old employer and stumbles onto Bill's lair. Back in Buffalo Bill's lair, as he's applying makeup, Catherine tricks his dog into falling down the well and hurts it until she can get a telephone. And here it is, the infamous tucking scene, where Bill is wearing the hair of one of his victims with scalp still attached and wearing a patchwork quilt shawl. He poses naked in a mirror with the infamous I'd fuck me too. With Crawford at the decoy house in Chicago, Clarice stumbles onto Bill's real house. Once inside, she sees a moth flying around and knows it's him. So instead of shooting her right there and then, he runs down to his lair in which Starling finds Catherine in the well, leaving her alone to hunt down Bill. She also spots the skin suit with only one arm, one leg and one boob. Always the bloody skin. <laughs> he kills the lights and stalks Clarice in the pitch dark with night vision goggles on. So instead of hitting her over the head and then shooting her, he cocks his gun right behind her, giving her a chance to fill him with bullets. You kidding? Got to say, this ending isn't as tense as it is. It's a bit of anti-climax. You're trying to tell me this guy has killed over nine people and he doesn't easily kill this small little five foot four woman. Hmm, okay then. So, with Catherine Martin and the day saved, Clarice graduates and at the party he gets a, she gets a phone call from Dr. Lecter asking her not to hunt him down. And he will do the same. As he hangs up, Dr. Children gets off the plane in the Bahamas. Dr. Lecter stalks him as credits roll. So that was Silence of the Lambs, the best of the franchise. Taunt, suspenseful, tightly scripted, great acting. However, the last 30 minutes or so, it's a bit of a letdown, so I'm going to give this thing a 7 out of 10. So come back next week for my look at Hannibal, then the rest of the month for the rest of the franchise. 
October is Halloween, my look at the first three Hellraiser movies. November is bad video game movies such as Mario Brothers and Tomb Raider. December is Festive Funnies and January is John Carpenter movies such as The Fog. So don't forget to follow, leave a like and comment on my SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Email me movie suggestions to Here's Johnny's Reviews at gmail.com. Check out my other franchise podcasts of Star Wars, Mad Max, Resident Evil, Underworld and many more. Also my solo podcast of Stream, Aliens, Donnie Darko and many, many more. Now I love to stay and chat some more, but I'm having an old friend for dinner and a bye.